and those that can afford it, we have our own plane that can go and retrieve the dog for them. All right, hold on. You've got your own plane to get dogs? The Fred Minnick Show is brought to you by 291 Colorado Whiskey, by Michter's, and by Heaven Hill Brands. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Fred Minnick Show. Fred here, and I'm fresh off, uh, fresh back from vacation. Well, I got to tell you what, it was uh, fantastic. Went to St. Lucia with my family. Uh, I picked some barrels at the St. Lucian uh, Rum Distillery, uh, commonly known for being the maker of uh, Chairman's Reserve. Uh, just such a great, great experience. And big shout out to uh, uh, to Spirabomb for, um, for letting me pick some barrels there. If you're part of my barrel club, uh, you'll be getting information about a 21-year-old rum from St. Lucia here pretty soon. <laughs> I'm telling you what, it is so good. It's so good. Also, uh, on the day that this airs, so I'm, I, you know, I pre-record all my stuff. These things don't come in live. It's a podcast, right? So from well, as I'm recording this, it's not my birthday, but the day that this airs, Monday, August 1st, it's my birthday, turning the big 44. Man, I tell you what, I've never felt so good. 44 years young. I'm uh, I'm feeling it. And I put out on YouTube that this is my, I, I've been uh, published in the whiskey world for 15 years now. You believe that? 15 years. So the majority of my adult life as a professional, I've been doing whiskey things. Uh, but I will tell you, I've always been a big animal lover. So when I had the opportunity to uh, interview Ollie Himyari, the uh, founder and owner of Nashville Canine, I, I took advantage of it. Unfortunately, this didn't take place in person, so you don't hear any any dogs licking the camera or microphone or anything like that. But we're going to be speaking to one of the world's foremost authorities on uh, on dogs and training dogs. And so if you're an animal lover, if you love dogs, you're going you're gonna to enjoy this episode immensely. And of course, everybody who comes on the show is a is a whiskey fan or usually a whiskey fan. I've done some uh, episodes with folks who are no longer drinking whiskey, but that's not the case here. And so Ollie is a uh, whiskey fan. We talked a little bit about his whiskey. He's kind of like whiskey prowess, uh, but I blind tasted him on three whiskeys and a... Glass A, you're going to learn uh, about this toward the end, but take your notes here if you want to follow along about what we are tasting. Glass A is a, a Penelope four grain cast strength. Glass B is Chicken Cock Cotton Club Rye. It's 20 years old. And this is a Canadian rye whiskey. So a 20 year old Canadian uh, rye whiskey. And then uh, Glass C is a uh, Proof and Wood. Proof and Wood that um, is a limited edition product, um, uh, 21 year old. It is good. It's a blend of uh, several types of whiskeys, including light whiskey, light whiskeys in that one. So that is the lineup for the tasting. Make sure you listen along. But if you want to watch it, you want to kind of see our reactions, you know, you can always go to YouTube and see the video uh, on the tube. But um, enjoy this week's episode, and if you're a dog lover, you are going to love it. I guarantee it. 
But first, a word from our sponsors. People want a great whiskey that isn't like every other whiskey. So nestled in the shadow of Pikes Peak, 291 Colorado whiskey is distilled from grain to barrel to bottle. Exceptional Western whiskey, unlike any other. Passion permeates every sip. Utilizing grains from the Colorado Plains, water collected from Pikes Peak Reservoirs, and finished with Aspen Staves, 291 Colorado Whiskey is an award-winning single-barrel and small-batch whiskey. Hard-made the Colorado way. Our recipe, our stills, independent and always rugged, refined, and rebellious. 291 Colorado Whiskey is proud of its humble roots and excited as we expand to new frontiers. Get your taste of Colorado at 291coloradowhiskey.com. Online orders available or find a bottle near you. Ride it like you stole it. Drink it like you own it. Live fast. Drink responsibly. A stamp of authenticity, a commitment to quality, and a guarantee of transparency. On March 3, 1897, the Bottled and Bond Act was signed into law, and an important part of whiskey-making history was born. Now, 125 years later, it's a tradition that Heaven Hill Distillery is proud to preserve. From simple pleasures like Evan Williams Bottled and Bond and Mellow Corn, to more rare finds like Old Fitzgerald Bottled and Bond, and Henry McKenna Single Barrel. Learn why Heaven Hill Distillery is the number one producer of Bottled and Bonds. Explore the history and requirements at bottledandbond.heavenhilldistillery.com. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Cheers. At Michter's Distillery, our passion is making the finest bourbon, rye, and American whiskey possible. When you only produce very small batch and single barrel whiskey as we do, each and every barrel has to be perfect. No detail is too small for our production team. From careful attention to the 18-month or more air-dried wood used in the construction of our barrels, to entering our distillate into the barrel at the costlier or lower barrel entry proof of 103 so that it's smoother, to heat cycling our barrel houses, to our signature filtration protocol, we spare no expense in pursuing our goal of making the greatest American whiskey. And no Michter's gets bottled until our master distiller, Dan McKee, and our master of maturation, Andrea Wilson, say it's just right. Michter's Fort Nelson Distillery in downtown Louisville, Kentucky, is open for tours and tastings. Book your visit on our website and stop by the bar at Fort Nelson for a world-class cocktail. For more information, follow us on social media at Michter's Whiskey, go to Michter's.com, or visit your favorite bartender. Michter's Distillery. It's all about the whiskey. All this month, stream the funniest films for free on Pluto TV. Watch comedy classics like Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy, and Mean Girls. Or drop in for a Tyler Perry marathon with a Medea family funeral and Medea's witness protection. Pluto TV also has hundreds of channels and thousands of movies and TV shows like Get Shorty, Be Cool, Key and Peel, Comedy and Color, and more. And no contracts, no subscriptions, no fees, no joke. So download the Pluto TV app on your favorite streaming device and start laughing today. Pluto TV, drop in, watch free. This is about something that lights your fire when nothing else will. This is the Mark Divine Show. This show, we're going to discover and dive in and discuss what makes the world's most inspirational, compassionate, and resilient leaders so courageous. Transform the nature and functioning of our own brain for the better. Go put your virtues in action. Be the best version of yourself. Life is a practice. Day by day, get wiser and stronger and grow. 
how do you understand enough about your own mind and psychology and emotions and how you develop a reflective awareness practice to actually get in the driver's seat of your own mind. We go in-depth with people from all walks of life, martial arts grandmasters, meditative monks, CEOs, military leaders, stoic philosophers, proud survivors, and more. Every episode turns our guest experience into actionable insights that you can learn from to lead a life filled with compassion and courage. I started putting all these little tools in my pocket, started to reflect a lot and meditate. There has to be a balance between movement and rest. It all starts with us. We cultivate these qualities in ourselves to become a beacon of light for others in the world. Please join us on the journey. The Mark Divine Show. Hoo-yah. And joining the Fred Minnick Show, Ali Imyari from uh, Nashville K9. How you doing, man? Doing great. Thanks for having me. So excited to be here. Absolutely. Well, I understand you like a little whiskey, so I just uh, we we sent you some. Yeah, I can't wait to start trying it, and I might continue it after we get off. Well, you got a tough job, you know. Training pups is not a is not an easy gig. You gotta, you know, maybe it'll help you get through uh, through the day. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So a little bit of a curveball, kind of like I was telling you before we went on air here. Um, I my my throat. My, I woke up and my throat was feeling a little funny, so I didn't want to taste today. And I kind of have a little, um, you know, kind of like a like a singer, like you just kind of know your throat and your body when uh, when it comes time to tasting. And I was just like, you know, uh, I don't think I'm going to taste today. So for in a very rare occurrence, I, I'm not going to taste with you. So you're going to be one of the one of the first guests I have ever had on. So some host I am. But we've been trying to get you scheduled for so long, so just like, you know what? Let's just roll with it. Let's just roll with it. My palate is nowhere near as refined as yours. What do, you, what do you, you normally like to drink? You know, in terms of, uh, of bourbon, um, really any kind of small batch. I actually have a bottle I can show you. Of whiskey, that this is a Nashville made one. Oh yeah, Nashville Barrel Company. Yeah, good friends of mine. So um, you know, uh, some small batch there, and of course, um, getting into some interesting stuff like Italian Grotto, and obviously wines and things like that. But in terms of whiskey, uh, I like to explore all small batch. Which you have sent me a couple of these small batch ones right now, including the Elijah Craig. Yeah, let's, sit, let's pop those up. Let's take a look at what what I sent you, and we'll kind of talk about those. So get you get your palate just a little little ready for them. Yeah, absolutely. So I know I sent you. I know I sent you the standard uh, Elijah Craig. That's one of my one of my favorite um, one of my favorite products out there for the money. Uh, a little backstory for it: they used to have an age statement on there of of twelve years old. And I kind of, I kind of threw a little, um, I threw a little tantrum over the years when they took the age statement off. I was very upset about it. I liked, I liked age statements. I still like age statements, but I liked them a lot more back then. And uh, so they took it off, and uh, you know that whiskey still uh, is still pretty solid. And then I sent you, uh, I think I sent you a Penelope. Uh, that's a cast strength product. And then I sent you Russell's Reserve 10-year-old, 
which was voted by my my audience as the number one uh, best everyday bourbon for like under forty bucks. So we definitely got you some some good stuff there, and you know all of it would fit in that little in the category that you normally like. But let's before we get into the tasting, let's talk a little bit about Nashville Canine. Like, what do you? What do you do? do you, are you training uh, dogs for the um, for law enforcement? Yeah, so we have actually a pretty unique business where uh, we train anywhere from the consumer pet level all the way up to the federal level of law enforcement mm-hmm. um, at our facility. And we have a massive facility in the city of Franklin, Tennessee. It's on over uh, it's over fifteen thousand square feet. It's got a complete mock town with mock homes and. Mm. A lot of built-in partners that you've heard of, DuPont Registry, Merrick mm-hmm. Pet Foods, things like that. And uh, and basically all of our magic happens here. And outside of that, we do uh, commercial video shoots. So if you ever wonder where like companies like Tractor Supply get their dog talent, um, we are oftentimes the providers for that, for country music videos, stuff like that as well. So you're like an agent for uh, for puppies. We are we are the dog talent masters. That's right. <laughs> what are what are some uh, what are some famous dogs or TV shows that you've uh, you've been a part of? Yeah, so if you've seen a lot of ORAC commercials, our golden retriever is oftentimes on that. We just did a country music video for Eric Church. Oh, okay. Um, so we just completed one. You'll notice the dogs in that. Uh, the Tennessee Lottery commercials. Dan and Shay's nothing like you. The entire Nothing like you. Uh, video shoot is comprised of all, all of our dogs, along with about ten rescue dogs we pulled out of animal control just for that shoot. And wow. then we found them all wow. homes. So it was a pretty cool end end to the story. Uh, so but, how do you? Uh, so like I've always wondered, like you know, there's a there's like a dog um, there, there's a dog on a show and it's just sitting completely still. There's food all around them. There's all this stuff going on. How do you keep the dogs so calm? I mean, I realize it's training, but even like service animals, like you just don't see them as calm and as easygoing as they appear to be on TV or on film. Well, you know, what's great about TV and film is we can make multiple edits. Yeah. So we can shoot it over and over and over again. And, you know, the production team is managing the different angles that we're shooting from. Sometimes they're doing it obviously left from the right from directly in front of the dog and they can make those cuts and splice it back in i will tell you though i mean these dogs are trained for sitting and downing for extended periods of time sometimes Mm -hmm. it's in excess of 30 40 minutes and uh and then they get a big jackpot at the end of food toys praise things like that as well so you know these are generally dogs that have years of training into them probably at service dog level we're just using them for you know, commercial videos, uh, use. All right, the so puppies are the hardest. The puppies, like little little bitty things. Yeah, Four, are, are, five month old dogs. Those are hard. Are there certain so, breeds that lend themselves better for TV than others? You know, so our most widely picked breeds are golden retrievers, uh, German shepherds, the Belgian mm-hmm. Malinois shepherd, and Labs. Those four are iconic. Mm-hmm. If there is a starving dog trainer out there that is wondering how to break through into the entertainment industry, they need to go buy one of each of those four dogs and train them and they will be wildly successful. 
So you would recommend not starting with a Jack Russell Terrier or a Dalmatian, if I'm understanding you there. Uh, that's right. I think the evolution <laughs> of motion picture has gotten a little bit away from that. That's right. <laughs> so there was that. So I have a few dogs that I, I, I love. They're iconic for me on TV. Obviously, the one on Frasier, that Jack Russell sure. Terrier. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've never, I have never seen a Jack Russell Terrier so calm. That that was the most calm dog I'd ever seen uh, from that breed. And I believe ranked probably top five smartest dogs, and they are smart. Uh, I think people need to oftentimes take into consideration what they're going to use as pets at home because originally the Jack Russell was created for hunting. Mm-hmm. And now they're taking a dog that was bred to have a lot of intensity, agility, stamina, and athleticism and make him a pet at home. And you can as long as you're giving dog adequate mental stimulation, energy expenditure. I, I believe in that. I used to have some neighbors that had Jack Russell Terriers and they were always like shaking you know, it's just like, what the yeah. hell is wrong with these dogs? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gotta get it out. Yeah. Uh, and then the, I, this is going to sound bizarre, but my favorite dog appearance of, of all time was in, in Christmas Vacation. The dog goes underneath the table and it starts eating everybody's food and it's like eating the trash can. It's just an absolute menace of a dog. I got to imagine, like, there wasn't a lot of training with that dog because it didn't look like there was there was any kind of uh, subdued nature whatsoever. The dog was just crazy. You know, it's funny, uh, Fred, is that's almost what we deal with exclusively daily here. (laughs) 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 We have good job security. (laughs) Yeah, they're always going crazy. Now, there was also, there's a lot more movies that have come out. Um, I'm, I'm former military, and we had, I went on a few missions with, uh, with uh, Navy dogs, and um, you know, there there's a lot of um, there's been a lot of studies and a lot of um, you know books and things come out, and even movies about these dogs coming home with with PTSD. And I, I was curious, what where are we there right now with with that and and, and taking care of those those great service animals uh, that served our country so so well. You know, so there's a lot of projects going on with that. And I would say that one of the most notable people that has intervened in um, basically that part of the discussion is Miranda Lambert. She has a really good foundation where she's helping a lot with these kind of dogs that have deployed and served and come back with some challenges and how to rehome those dogs. Mm-hmm. One of the caveats to military deployment is that the handler doesn't oftentimes get to reunite with their dog. Um, If the handler has ended deployment early or if the dog has had deployment ended early, um, those two oftentimes are not reunited. And that's pretty challenging. I will tell you there is a federal law um, for law enforcement officers where the dog can retire with the canine handler once the – the canine handler is up for retirement, um, and, and the canine is up for retirement. So mm-hmm. when you think about a municipality like a police or sheriff's office that has a canine ha- uh, dog that is maybe eight years old and it's end of term or 10 years old, end of term, um, it was actually President George Bush put it in play where they can then retire with that canine handler, which is a familiar, obviously, face, and they've been living there and things like that. 
I think they're working on fixing that with the military a little bit. It's a little bigger of an organization, just slightly bigger, mm-hmm. where they have to find out kind of those details. That's, uh, you know, it, it to me it's it's sad, but I'm glad we're getting we're getting to a point where they're they're honored and being treated um, sure. like they should. You know that the movie that just came out. Um, probably has helped a little bit bring in awareness to that. And I can't think of the yeah. name of the movie, but it's, I think it's Dog. Got, Dog. Yeah. It's, got, it's got Channing Tatum in it, right? Who is, That's right, yeah. yeah. And yeah. it is a fairly accurate depiction of what happens, you know, and some of those dogs really need to be home with that handler because otherwise they're pretty volatile, they're violent. They can be, not explosives detection dogs, but in general the apprehension dogs – they're deployed for military or violent. And so it takes a special person to be able to take on a dog like that. And if they have a familiar face that they've been working with, that's probably the safest place for them. Yeah. Now we've had, we've in, in, we don't have any dogs right now. We lost our last one. Um, a year and a half ago now, she was my baby girl for 13, almost 14 years and, God, that devastated us. But we also we had a uh, we had a puppy we brought in in the in the interim, and and he died in the middle. Like he died in uh, uh, well at a kennel. He got some some weird sickness, but he was he was dumb as shit. And like he would he would jump out of moving cars. He got hit by a car. It was like there was nothing we could do. But there just seems like. And he had and he had discolored eyes. He had he he had a lot of problems. But I I wondered if there are just if there are some dogs where you do your best and there's like no help for them. They're sweet and whatever, but you just there there's no the, sit them sitting is about all they can possibly accomplish. Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, so we don't have the luxury of being able to tell a client we couldn't finish off our course that we've provided for them and what they've paid for. Hmm. But there are certain breeds that lend themselves to be far more difficult than the average dog. And that means our daily training with every dog that's in our facilities at minimum of three times a day, all seven days a week. We work on behavioral issues twice a day, all seven days a week. But some of these dogs means that we got to kick it up to 10 times a day at minimum to get the same thing accomplished. Mm. And then at the end, we got to kind of preface the owner that, Hey, it's not going to be as easy to housebreak, for example, a pug as it would be a border collie and let them know in a way that it's not going to be offensive. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so there are some breeds and to qualify it, we train between 300 to a thousand dogs a year. It's a pretty, pretty massive facility in, in terms of volume of dogs. The boxers, when I hear, hey, we got a boxer coming in, it's the smartest dog in the world, or a pug, smartest dog in the world, and I know I'm going to offend people, and I don't intend to, um, but when we compare it relative to Border Collie, Poodle, German Shepherd, Lab, there's a stark contrast in the learnability and the aptitude of those dogs. Mm. It means uh-huh. we have to work much harder, so they're getting their money's worth, without a doubt. <laughs> Okay. I do love a boxer though. That's what my, my, my baby girl was half, uh, she was half boxer and, um, she was smart, but she was stubborn. She was not dumb. The other dog was the one that was dumb and he was, uh, he, you know, he was, he was a mutt, but, uh, 
Well, think about yeah. today's day where people have like these mixed breeds of dogs, right? Mm -hmm. Golden Doodle, Labradoodle, Bernadoodle. They're essentially mutts. They don't think about them that way, but they really are. Yeah, but they're bred to—they're bred to be to not shed as much, you know, to behave, you know, that sort of thing. And where where do you stand on uh, things like shock collars and crates? Are are, are those uh, are those effective? So we don't use uh, electronic collars here at our facility. We are experts with them. The appropriate usage of an electronic collar is about six to eight months at low-level stimulation, uh, but we don't have that time frame afforded to us by the client. Typically, we have two to three weeks, so we just don't use them at all. Uh, there are other ways to train to get to the same result. It takes us a little bit longer and a little bit more time with each dog, but mm -hmm. you can get the same result just by using clicker and food. Uh, in terms of crate, we do highly recommend that, especially during the formative stages from eight weeks old to about a year old. Uh, in general, it takes about six months to housebreak a dog from the three-month mark. So when they're 12 weeks old, it takes another six months to housebreak a dog. We tend to be an impatient society here in America. You and I can jump in our cars and drive over to Kroger or Publix or any grocery store, open our trunk, and some fairy comes and deposits groceries, and we go home. Yeah. Or even better, you know, grocery delivery to our doors. But the thing about dogs is it's a living, breathing organism. And everything that we do is really training for a series of conditioned behavior. And while these four- and five-month-old dogs may seem large in stature, just like some three- and four-year-old children, cognitively they're not fully developed. So people get a little bit frustrated. Why isn't my dog housebroken? Why is my dog chewing on things? Mm. It just takes some time. They just have to be a lot more patient. Wow. Well, you know, thanks for sharing all that. You you, you mentioned uh, a, a pickup service. I had uh, I had some whiskey delivered to you, and I know you're probably chomping at the bit here to uh, to get to tasting. And so let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and start your and start your journey here, Ollie. I and again, I'm not tasting with you, so this is going to be a little weird for me. But um, uh, maybe maybe I just need to put my full attention to train you as you do your pups here. So that's what, that's how I'm going to, that's how I'm going to pitch this to you. So you take know, it's interesting, Fred, I have the same thing here where I have never just drank by myself before. <laughs> okay. All right. You're always with but friends or, or at a pub or something. That's right. That's right. So I got a board. Um, All right. So let's begin, let's begin your journey. Uh, start with the, let's start with the Elijah Craig. You got the Elijah Craig port. Nope, not yet. So look at the color. So take look at it, hold it up in the uh, in the light. You, you can see. So the looking at the color. You know when whiskey went into the barrel, it was clear as the water from your tap. So sure. all all of that uh, color comes from the barrel. And I've got a big belief that the more you know about how things are made and the history behind it, you know the 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 better your experience will be. Right. So the color is is uh, is a really good indication of, of what is to come. The darker it is, is you know the higher proof, or the older it is. And so, like it's it's kind of like it's kind of like looking at an album cover. I say this a lot, but it's like looking at an album cover, which gives you an idea of the music to come. Sometimes it oversells the mu music. Sometimes it undersells it. And so, the the color of the whiskey is. 
is is a lot like that. You know, it, it's something to look at. It's a little bit of art, but it doesn't. It's not the end all be all. So after you have, um, after you have kind of analyzed the color, bring it to your nose and smell it. But smell with your mouth open. So smell with your mouth slightly open and kind of go side to side. You're, you're relaxing your olfactory here, and you're you're hopefully picking up more than just the alcohol fumes. Like uh, with Elijah Craig, you should be picking up some some sweet notes, maybe some spice notes, some baking spices. Uh, but you should, you know, be feeling the sensation, the tingle uh, come upon your nose a little bit. And sometimes some people, as they smell in and kind of breathe out their mouth, they can taste it uh, on the way out. So the the vapors can like uh, kind of land on the tongue sometimes. Uh, what do you smell in here? I smell... I smell some spices. I smell um, woodsy. Okay. Probably from the barrel. Mm-hmm. It does smell sweet. All right. And now the fun part, right, is the tasting. And when you taste whiskey, you know, a lot of people will will see a taster's notes and be like, how the hell are you getting that? Well, it's over years that we've all kind of trained ourselves to pick up those flavors. And for me, uh, my technique is like, I, I will focus first on the part of the tongue. It resonates. So if you put whiskey on your tongue and kind of first think about what part of the tongue is it hitting? Is it like on the tip of the tongue? That's where we get our sweet notes. Is it in the middle where we get our savory? Is it in the back where we get our spice? Uh, or we'll also get spice and a little lime between the middle. I'm sorry, we'll get bitterness and a little lime between the middle and, and the back. And we'll also get bitterness on the sides of our tongue and a little bit on our cheek, if you will. So go ahead and uh, put it on your palate. And then first, just think about what part of the tongue does it resonate. So go ahead, just a little taste. It's on the tongue. He's contemplating. He's putting a lot of thought into this. I'll tell you, it's uh, very smooth. Very, very smooth. So it feels good. It feels good on the tongue. Feels okay. Good. Is there a yeah, part? Is there a part of the tongue that you feel it more prominent than the rest? Yeah, I think um, I feel I taste a little bit more of the spice side. Okay. And a, a hint of the sweet. Okay. Yeah. So maybe uh, I rolled it back a little far. Well, I think I well I think you're spot on. Like for me, the most prominent note in uh, in Elijah Craig is nutmeg and right behind that is caramel uh some elijah craigs are caramel bombs so like one batch will be a caramel bomb another one will be a nutmeg bomb so i'm guessing you got something that's a little bit more on that baking spice side and so the yeah. last the last part of the tasting is after that you have uh kind of described it a little bit what is the finish like how long is it still on the tongue you know, after after you've swallowed it, you've got you actually have taste receptors in your throat and in your belly. So if you can feel it on the way down, you know it's a little bit of like uh, your taste receptors lighting up. And so, like, how long do you still feel it on the tongue? And what is the most prominent flavor? You might need another taste of it, but yeah, give it try. give get, give that a shot and let's break that down. What is the what is the finish for you? 
I can taste the uh, caramel, mm-hmm. and it is uh, it's still it's still lasting. I mean, even right now, I can still taste it. It's again, it's so smooth going down. Uh, it is. Uh, it's really a nice, balanced taste. And I am interested in the comparison with some of these other ones that you've sent me too. But uh, I mean, by now it's basically gone. I still have a little flavor at the at the rear of the tongue. But okay, so uh, a, a little shorter finish than um, uh, maybe short to medium. Then it's just there for a little bit. You know, so now let's go ahead and move on to the next one. Rinse your mouth out a little bit with uh, with water. And let's go to the Russell's Reserve 10-year-old. As Russell's Reserve made uh, here in... It's made in Kentucky, is it? Correct? Yeah, that's uh, that's made at uh, Wild Turkey Distillery. So this is Wild Turkey is uh, their longtime uh, master distiller is Jimmy Russell. His son was the uh, was is also a master distiller. Um, Eddie Russell and their grandson Bruce Russell's in the business, and they've also got a granddaughter in the business, and they've got you know so the Russell's Reserve is kind of a an ode to uh, to the great Jimmy Russell. Fantastic. Okay. I have a pour ready. All right. So he's going to go in. Remember, remember your training, Ali, here. This is, uh, this, this is important. Look at it. And my, my treat, my treat for you is the whiskey. (laughs) It has a good amber color to it. Mm -hmm. It is a, um, almost, a little bit darker than the Elijah Craig. Yeah, well, it's going to be – that's a good call-out because it's actually older. It's uh, – Elijah Craig has been falling in that eight- to nine-year range, and uh, Russell's Reserve is 10 years old. So good good catch. All right. I'm going in for the taste. Okay, I can feel more punch on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel uh, this one tastes sweeter to me. Okay. Interestingly enough, um, and uh, the aftertaste lasts a little bit longer. Interesting. Okay. Um, so is it is it safe to say that the Russell's Reserve is is hitting the mark a little better for you than the um... Than the Elijah, I like it. I th- I think it would depend on the mood that I'm in when I'm taking a sip of these, right? So, okay. uh, you know, uh, if I'm looking for something that is a little bit more spicy, I like the Russell Reserve. If I'm looking for something that I just want to kind of mellow and smoother, mm-hmm. uh, I really like the Elijah Craig. So far, uh, both are really, really, really good. Well, I, I gotta say, like um, your your palate's uh, impressing me here. Um, you know, Russell's Reserve has got uh, is is known for having some spicier notes, like uh, like cinnamon, for example, is a is a common one that'll come out there. I personally 
get a lot of uh, of chili notes um, in in those wild turkey releases. So, you know, yeah, you, I can you may, taste that. You may have the you may have what it takes to be a whiskey taster there, Ollie. So, <laughs> if this if this dog training thing doesn't work out, which doesn't sound like that's going to be the case, you know, you may have a you may have a second career here as a whiskey taster. Uh, I can be your apprentice. You can mentor <laughs> me, <laughs> and you and you can show me how to uh, train dogs. There we go. That's I like right. it. Uh, I actually, I actually have a really good friend who owns uh, who owns uh, a company out here in Louisville. Uh, he's he's done. Um, he owns a, a pet grooming salons, and he turned it into like a country club, and they do training. But I used to do his photography, so I used to do like a lot of pet photography back when I did photography. And right. uh, my my trick to uh, to getting dogs to uh, to get the good shot was just to howl at them. Like I would howl at them like a wolf, and they would just like, you know. <laughs> was, yeah, we do was, the same, and and we have squeaky toys. Yeah, the squeaky toys they would attack me for them, so that would didn't never seem to work out. But uh, I I. I really did enjoy doing pet photography. If only, if only I could have made money at it. Like there was, there's not a lot of money to be made at it. Um, you know, in coincidence with your story, uh, we employed Jorian Lofton here, who was the son of the late Peter Lofton. Oh wow! Who had wow. a uh, you know a, yeah Bardstown uh, Bourbon Company. That's right. Yeah, and um, and and Peter was also good friends with. Uh, President Trump, and he had made a significant dent in the uh, telecom industry mm-hmm. back in the 80s and early 90s. And uh, and Jorian was an intern for us. His son was an intern for us back in um, when he was probably 15 years of age, and then he came back and worked with us earlier in the year for a little while as well. Yeah. Well, if I'd have known that, I'd have been, I would have made sure I sent to Bardstown Bourbon Company to you all they just had another release come out today but uh, that would have been on the list uh, to send you yeah. So, yeah really really nice gentleman yeah i remember I, I met peter several times but uh he um you know he died far too young that's for sure right that's right uh so now we're gonna we're gonna jump to a different style here we're gonna go to penelope which let's go ahead and pull that bottle up here read the label for me I think I sent you, I can't see it so well. Can you read me the label, which one uh, that is? Is it just, what's the proof on that one? Ben Hook, it is a, a 98 proof. Okay, so I thought, I thought I sent you Penelope. I sent you Penhook. Okay, so I sent you Penhook, which they just came out. There was a like a bottle sticker where they were making fun of Bob Baffert on that, on that brand. So. Oh, yeah. Um, that just happened, but, uh, all right. So let's give that a pour and let's see. I haven't tasted this particular one. I think this is a batch I have not tasted. So you're, you're going in, you're going in on, in the dark here, buddy. I'll tell you by the initial looks of it compared to the other two, it has a little bit more of a reddish hue, um, to it. It also lists on the side, it's unfiltered, and it displays a picture of a horse, and they even show the horse's size, 16 hands by the name of Bourbon Heist. Okay. Marketing. Yeah. Um, 
That's how they. That's how they market their. That's how they do their batches. They do their batches by horse names. Yeah, this is um. It's like a. It looks more of like an amber color, kind of like okay. you see you know, fossils. Yeah, so if they, uh, you know, could be could be like a, a deeper penetration into the wood. So he's going in there. What? What do you 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 switching up glassware on me? We're going into the coffee cup here. I have a coffee cup because I ran out of the glasses. Okay, got a big no no. No, hey, listen. I mean, many people drink uh, whiskey in their coffee at work. Yeah. So, I mean. This is the humiliating moment for me. <laughs> I'm glad it is broadcast all over the world. <laughs> uh, but hey, after this, I will fill it up with coffee. There you go. There you go. You, you'll need the stimulant after. It is. Um, How's it smelling? It smells sweet. Okay. Very sweet. Not as barely smelling as the other two. And not as robust with the spices that I smell yet. But now he's he's going in, he's going in for the taste now. Here's the moment of truth. It is pretty strong. Um, Do you get any grain notes in here? Like anything like, say, corn, corn on the cob? Um, you know, it tastes... Uh, it almost has a taste of a much higher proof of alcohol, but I'm looking at these bottles, and they're almost really close in yeah. proof. But it's not as smooth going down as the other two. Um, so a little harsher, a little harsher for you, a little bit more of a struggle to pick out a note. It's alcohol forward. Is that how you would describe it? Yeah, let me go go in for the kill one more time. Okay. Now, maybe if this was poured in a glass and not a coffee cup, I'd have a different experience. It, it, it could, it's actually true, but still, it's kind of cool that you got a coffee cup. I mean, I'll we'll roll with it. That seemed to be a little uh, heftier pour there, Ollie. You uh, you uh, take it in a little bit more on that second that second turn, are you? I'm not going to be able to work for the rest of the day, Fred. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, I feel like it's 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 a little bit of a more uh, pungent uh, or or alcohol potent taste. Okay. Where. I'm not able to discern the notes just as well. I'm going to do one more rinse with water and take one more taste because I want to be fair to Pinhook here. I mean, it's dedication. It's dedication, Ali. I mean, you're ready. You're uh, you're definitely throwing in the towel for some uh, doggy training. You're just you're you're here for training the palate. Oh, and did you tell your viewers that this is first thing in the morning too? So that's true. It is early in the morning. Um. I find that uh, morning tastings are the best time to taste because your palate's so fresh. And, um, you know, I also, I mean, let's face it, I, I drink, I taste uh, thousands in a year. So it's like normal for me. So. That's right. But I also know when to take a break. Like today, my throat. You got to yeah. know. 
One last go. Here he goes. He's going in, tilting it all the way up. Hey, boy, that uh, glass was there a lot longer this time. That seemed to be like a, like a pretty healthy pool there. So you can you can taste some sweetness. You can taste a little bit of of caramel. Um, I I think that I am more partial to the other two. Uh, I I like it, but I like the other two significantly better. It's more of mm-hmm. my style of of uh, a bourbon or a whiskey, but it is um it is good. Uh, I don't taste a lot of the spices. I don't think uh, I, it overwhelms my personal palate a little bit too much. Mm, okay. All right. So then for your winner, it's going to be between Russell's Reserve 10-year and Elijah Craig. I will tell you, I really like the smoothness of Elijah Craig. Okay. So your your champion is Elijah Craig. But it's not by by much. It is, okay. They are pretty close. They are neck and neck. Both of them are great sipping uh, whiskeys. I mean, it's like not it's not quite the upset like the uh, the Hound winning Best in Show this year at the uh, at the Kennel Club Dog Show. That's but, right. Uh, but it it it's uh it's a it's a bit of an upset, but not that big of an upset. That's right. They're they're both really really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, you know, as far as pricing goes, um, which one is more expensive than the other. But uh, the most expensive one on your table is the pen, uh, pen hook. The um, the Elijah Craig is just a touch more expensive than the Russell's Reserve, but not by much. They're they're pretty neck and neck. Yeah, and it, it depends. It depends on the market too. Like it varies. Sure. So fantastic. So great tasting, way to go! Kudos to you there. I, I want to get I want to get back more into uh, Nashville canine. Do you do you ever train dogs to be you know for showing like show dog that sort of thing? We don't. We used to train dogs to compete in trials, but working dog trials uh, mm-hmm. in general, the show side is uh, a, a different style of training. They actually don't have. A lot of obedience built into those show dogs. They just need to be able to be uh, have a nice gait and have a nice stack and just some light things comparative to the working dog side. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do watch all of those trials, and they do ho- hold some of those trials here in Franklin. We have an agricultural center where people come in from all over and display their dogs. Uh, but oftentimes we are the ones that are training uh, those dogs as well. Okay. Now, do you have is there is there a special like um, like drinking game that you all have developed to those uh, to the best in show uh, contests or anything like that? Like you you guys are at home, you're all on like a conference call watching it, and you're like, all right, if this corgi does this, we're all taking a shot. Do you have any kind of crazy drinking games like that? You know, I, I think you've just inspired a new game. And, uh, <laughs> And I, later, after we get it going across the nation, I don't want you to come back and sue me for really playing this game. <laughs> Hell, I'll, uh, I'll I'll host it. I'll I'll host it, and uh, we'll we, have to have you involved. I love that. Well, how can people how can people find you all if, if they? I, I'm assuming you take dogs all over the world or country uh, to train. How can people find uh, Nashville Canine? 
So they can go to NashvilleK9.com if they want online dog training. We have a really cool site called CoachFido.com. It's got mm -hmm. over 600 videos on it. So okay. during COVID, it was a wild blast for people that want more of a one-on-one -on -one style training. Uh, and Nashville Canine, we, we do do it all over the nation. People do fly in, drive in, or fly their dogs to us. And those that can afford it, we have our own plane that can go and retrieve the dog for them and bring it back to Nashville. We'll, we'll do the training and then hand deliver the dog back to them as well. All right, hold training on. What, what, you've got your own plane to get dogs? Yeah, we have a Hawker 800 XP. Okay. And it's uh, at Nashville International Airport. It's a uh, about it's, it's about 11. Uh, it seats about 11 people, including the two pilots. And so... Oftentimes when we're out procuring dogs from Europe and we get back to the United States, Nashville's airport right now is not supplying routes like Lufthansa, KLM, Air France, those big ones that are coming in. So when we fly into other markets like New York, Detroit, Charlotte, Atlanta, we have to get our working dogs back to Nashville. So that's when we use our plane more so for that. And that's how we got into aviation. And outside of transporting dogs for, you know, wealthier clientele, uh, then the plane goes into air charter and it's managed by secure air charter. How do you, how do you all stow the dogs? Are they in the regular cabin? The okay. Yeah. yeah Cause that's like, I mean, you hear all these horror stories about dogs dying and coming out with like, you know, really shocked by being in the, uh, being treated like luggage, you know, when that, when that's happened. Yeah, so I would say that like the working dogs have a long lineage that's trackable where you know that there's not a lot of, of lining, line breeding or, you know, somebody intentionally trying to mess it up. The outside of the working dog world, you'll see you got a dog, I got a dog, we can put them together, put them on Craigslist, sell them. And the genetics of those dogs may not have the same preservation. And so if you put a dog like that into the belly of an airplane to fly them, there is a higher probability that they're going to have more anxiety, more stress. I would say the working dogs typically don't seem that phased, um, which is pretty incredible because we have to take them all the way from Netherlands, Germany, France, you know, Italy, and bring them all the way over here. And mm -hmm. they're pretty good. I've never had an incident, knock on wood. Um, with bringing working dogs back. Wow. Well, yeah, definitely knock on wood for that. And it's like it's like a lot of things, whether it's uh, heart conditions in a in humans or right. um, or athletic ability in, in dogs. It's it's genetic. So, totally. uh, so just a couple rapid, just a few rapid fire questions for you before I let you go. Uh, best companion breed. What's the best companion Labrador breed? or Golden Retriever? Best okay. family dog ever. Hey, Bet. a new trend I'll tell you too, Fred, is the Legato Romagnolo. Oh. That's an Italian truffle hunting dog. Mm -hmm. Looks very similar to a doodle. But that is one of the most incredibly brilliant dogs. Laid back, easing on person personality, and uh, great with children, great with families. Uh, and are they uh, – do they shed? Do they shed? They don't shed. And one of the biggest breeders – is here in Tennessee. Is a guy named Jim at Blackberry Farms, which you may have heard of. Oh, very well. Yeah. Well, we're yeah, we're in the market for a new pup, and I don't want a golden doodle. Jacqueline's pushing a golden doodle on me. I just can't can't bring myself to do it. 
Like I, I think you'll like the legato. I, it's like, about I'm, the same size dog. They're pretty awesome. Doesn't gato mean cat? I don't mean cat in yeah. Italian. But these, and I know in Spanish it does. Yeah, I think it means it. <laughs> you know what? They're very similar. So that's it. Might just be in Spanish. All right. So what? What is the best herding breed? Border collie and any shepherds, Australian shepherd, German shepherd. If it was up to me, the Belgian Malinois Shepherd would mm-hmm. be the best herding breed. Best, uh, best guard dog. Uh, probably the Belgian Malinois as well. Very versatile dog. Okay, and the shepherds are right up there too. And not saying, not saying that I'm going to uh, start a drug sniffing dog company, but what's the best drug sniffing dog? You know, it's a toss up between Labradors. Golden Retrievers, and on the pointier side, German Shepherds. Those those three would be the top. And you'll see it a lot. When you're at sports events and things like that, you'll see the, the police are using Labradors a lot for mm-hmm. explosions and things like that. Yeah. All right, man. Well, look, I, I could talk to you all day about puppies and dogs and so forth, but I know you actually got to get out there and, uh, and, and do some training or a, a supervise and you know, I'm sure take care of some some clients who uh, who need some understanding about how their dog needs uh, needs a little bit more commitment. So, <laughs> well, we're grateful to be on your show. We really appreciate the opportunity, and this was a lot of fun. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to walk after this, especially <laughs> after we get out of here. But it's been a lot of fun, and I appreciate you having us. Right on, man. Well, thank you for your time, and I look forward to uh, hanging out in person one day. Yeah, same. Come on, come down anytime. Cheers, my friend. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you to Podcast One, to Justin Zweig, uh, to Jason, my my entire team. Thank you, everybody, uh, for everything all the time and and the birthday wishes. And um, got to say, this is uh, I'm excited for the next 44 years of my life. So. Uh, and a big shout out to Ollie for coming on the show and sharing his his dog wisdom and what it's like to be a a trainer of dogs and uh, take care of celebrities and have a private jet, a private jet for dogs. I just I think that's so cool. But that's going to do it for this week, folks. Make sure you're giving us a follow on all the social media outlets. Just look for my name, Fred Minnick. Go check me out on YouTube. And uh, if you'd be so kind, give us a review on the podcast, however you listen to your podcast. But that's going to do it for this week, folks. Be safe out there. Remember, no licking handrails, no licking trash cans, and vodka sucks unless it's been used for hand sanitizer. Cheers, everybody. You've been listening to The Fred Minnick Show, brought to you by 291 Colorado Whiskey by Michter's, and by Heaven Hill Brands. For more information about Fred's books, articles, podcasts, and more, just go to fredminnick.com. I am not a All this month, stream the funniest films for free on Pluto TV. Watch comedy classics like Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy, and Mean Girls. Or drop in for a Tyler Perry marathon with a Medea family funeral and Medea's witness protection. Pluto TV also has hundreds of channels and thousands of movies and TV shows like Get Shorty, Be Cool, Key and Peel, Comedy and Color, and more. And no contracts, no subscriptions, no fees, no joke. So download the Pluto TV app on your favorite streaming device and start laughing today. Pluto TV, drop in, watch free.